This is a thousand ways to market your business, brought to you by Pushing the Envelope. We're gonna dive deep into all things marketing to help you reach your goals. Tune in and let's grow your business. Hi everyone, welcome to A Thousand Ways to Market Your Business, presented by Pushing the Envelope. I'm Samantha Scott, APR, and I'm joined once again by our marketing manager, Patricia Crump. Hey everyone, I'm happy to be back. So on this episode, we're gonna be talking about how to create a marketing plan and also how to execute that because those are two different things, creating the plan and then actually going into executing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last episode I was on, we discussed marketing plans being like a roadmap. And throughout that journey, you may hit detours, potholes, you know, nothing ever goes as planned. <laughs> There's some traffic along the way. So it's important to be flexible and know how to bob and weave and figure out um, any issues along the way. Exactly. And patch a tire. You know, my mom taught me I had to be able to replace a tire on my car before I could drive the car by myself. Mm-hmm. Now I would just call AAA. But <laughs> exactly. With a marketing plan, it's the same thing is you have to be able to adjust to those things, but first really be able to identify those, right? Right. So how do you go about creating that marketing plan, executing it, and then measuring along the way to make sure you can identify any of those potholes or flat tires issues that might come up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the main point is to never lose sight of that end goal and that destination to where you're headed. So measuring and tracking those things along the way will make sure you're still on track. Exactly. And so that's one of the things that we always start with when we're working with a partner. And I would really encourage you all to do the same thing is start with defining what success looks like for you. And that is phased in a couple of ways. What does success ultimately at the end of this marketing endeavor look like for you? But then also, what does success look like in three months, six months? You know, you can put kind of milestones on that. What are we looking to achieve? Uh, it's really, really important to keep that in mind. We look at that especially uh, as a marketing partner because we want to make sure we're aligned with our partners. But if you're running marketing on your own in your own department, you might ask your boss or the C-suite, for example. If it's your business, you might just reflect on your own definition of what success looks like. Because if you don't have that, you get down the road and you might say, oh man, this part's kind of working, but it's really not doing what I ultimately wanted it to do. Yeah, those end goals are so important to know up front. That really helps us reverse engineer and craft a plan that's really appropriate for those target audiences and make sure that those goals are being achieved. And also with a proper plan, we know what we're measuring. So we can take a look and see and make sure things are going smoothly along the way. Exactly. And I always tie it to the bottom line, right? So I try to think of this as a business owner. So if it's an investment I'm making, I'm expecting a return. Mm -hmm. And that all goes to the bottom line. So what are we trying to accomplish at the end of the day? So are you trying to get more sales, more leads, more awareness? Uh, You know, fill in the blank of what that is. And then you measure backwards against that. Otherwise, like we talked about in our previous podcast, you're just measuring the outputs or the efforts of marketing. You're not really getting into the results of it. So that's so incredibly important. Um, And business owners can do that on their own as well. It doesn't have to be the marketing team, but you really define what are you looking to achieve as an end result of this. Start at the end and to your point, work backward from there, building out those plans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, building out those plans is so important. You know, we have some baseline ideas of what performs good on what platform and for what audience, but really measuring it helps us define those along the way and really optimize performance results. You know, there are times where a post we expected to do well, like crushes all performance and really outperforms everything else. And of course, we want more of those results. So naturally, we adjust the plan to include more of that, where maybe we only included a few instances of it in our original plan. Right. Exactly. So it's finding your audience. You know, I love to tell folks that uh, your audience will tell you everything you need to know if you're listening. 
right? If you know where to look, if you're listening, they're going to tell you everything you need to know. So your engagement numbers, you know, to your point, using social as an example, if you do a post and you get, you know, incredibly high engagement, lots of interactions online, but ultimately you also get a lot of leads from it. Well, that's fantastic. So we're going to look at the time of day, the type of post. Was it a picture? Was it a video? Was it a link? All of those factors. What was the topic? How did we create this secret sauce or magic post that created those results? And how do we make more of them? Conversely, we also look at the underperforming things as well. Um, and that's not limited just to social media. I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind as well is this could relate to marketing plans, advertisement, public relations as well. You know, if you're doing pitching and releases and they're just not landing, well, what's the issue? Are we sending it to the wrong publication or the wrong writer? Is the topic not of interest, et cetera? So making sure we can measure those efforts as a whole to know how your marketing health is performing is incredibly important. Um, and that sets the foundation for creating this marketing plan and executing it well, but also being able to identify the individual elements of those campaigns and how they're performing. Mm -hmm. Measurement is so important. And there's actually an overwhelming amount of data. So if anyone's telling you they can't measure your ROI or marketing <sighs> results, they're lying to you. <laughs> Don't even get me started. This is one of my passion points, 100%, is I've heard so many times marketing companies will say, oh, we, we can't measure that. Or, well, it's just qualitative information. You know, you're not really going to get anything from that. Or it's awareness, these squishy figures, right? It's completely false. I could talk all day about this. I'm sure we're going to do another podcast about it because <laughs> I'm very passionate about it. Every single thing can be tested and measured. And it matters because we're trying to make sure that we're improving performance. We're not okay with just okay. We want to make sure that things are working exceptionally well. The other part of measuring um, when you're doing this marketing campaign is making sure you can be nimble because while we put campaign plans in place, they're not set in stone. We want to make sure we're reacting to the market. If a trend pops up, you know, we want to make sure we can take advantage of that if it's appropriate, of course. Uh, but also if we're seeing, wow, we're really trending well in this particular area, well, let's put more into that and pull back on areas that might be performing a little bit less well. Um, that's just really incredibly important. Um, but the data is available to make these marketing decisions. And data-backed insights create actionable insights. Mm -hmm. So we're not just going off of our gut and saying, oh, this is a pretty campaign or this would be a fun concept. We're marrying that creativity with actual data that can support the performance and give you really solid projections. That's really, really important. Yeah, that data tells us everything that we need to know about performance and how something is going and which campaigns are really driving results. That's so important to take a look at so that we can optimize where those marketing dollars are going. Yeah. Now, I don't want to make this sound easy by any means. No. <laughs> <laughs> this requires things to be set up properly in the first place. So Google Analytics, having those Facebook pixels set up, those LinkedIn mm -hmm. tracking pixels, any tracking phone numbers, QR codes, UTM codes. Yes. Lots of things. All, all the, the jargon, right? <laughs> all the jargon, all the words. Yeah. But it's out there. And when you set it up at the beginning properly, it makes our jobs so much easier in the long run yeah. to figure out what's performing and where we should put those dollars. Absolutely. And that goes back to the very foundation of what we're talking about today, which is creating a marketing plan and then executing them. So the first is creating the goals, making sure we're very clear on what we're trying to accomplish and those outcomes, and then making sure you have the measurements set up from day zero, not day one. We want a baseline of performance before anything changes day zero, here's what we were looking at. So as we measure back, we can say, here's how things have been performing. And when we create those marketing plans, we really start with what we call the ghost model. Um, and that's kind of an easy acronym to remember. It stands for goals, objectives, strategies, and tactics. 
I know we throw around words like strategies, tactics, objectives a lot. I'll give you definitions. Goals are the really big picture things that we're working towards, right? We want to increase sales by 15% year over year, for example, right? The objectives are going to be, here's another acronym, SMART. So strategic, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Why does that matter? Because if I just say, I want to increase engagement on Facebook, for example, okay, great. If I did that by 1%, I met that objective. But we want to be very specific. So we increase engagement by 5% as proved by likes, comments, shares of images within X period of time. Because we wanna make sure that we're setting ourselves up for success and you as well when you're measuring so you have something really concrete to measure against. Um, also making sure they're attainable, relevant, time-bound, all of those things are really important because if it's not an attainable objective, you're gonna fall flat, nobody wants that. And time-bound makes sure we have the accurate measuring stick on all sides. When are we gonna do this? So following the ghost model means having a big goal, where are we going, sales, etc. objectives that are highly measurable and very specific. Then we get into the fun part of creating the strategies and the tactics. So strategies are the ways that we're going to meet those objectives, exceed them ideally. And then the tactics are the little nitty gritty things that we have to do to actually execute on them. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a really handy tool to use in your pocket, the ghost model when you're setting up your marketing plans and making sure your objectives are smart. Yeah, we start all of our marketing plans with that ghost model, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And that really helps us break down what's most appropriate for a client. Where do they want to go? How are we meeting their goals specifically? Mm -hmm. And which tactics are going to help us get there? Yeah, and you could marry with your ghost model, your target audiences, your key mm -hmm. messages, budget. So there are key components that you build out your marketing plan with. You can do that a number of ways. There isn't a right or a wrong format for a marketing plan. Um, and I think if we're talking about firms, everybody does it a little bit differently. I know internally companies do it differently as well. So really focus on what's important to you, but having those core components will make it much more solid and integrated. That's the other part too, right? Is if we just have, oh, well, here's our social efforts. Here's our traditional marketing efforts. Here are our PR efforts. It can get jumbled really quickly if you don't have that master marketing plan guiding all of it. Right. And usually that master marketing plan is a better way to communicate with our clients so that they know where the track is and where we're going. But they don't like to know the everyday nitty gritty sure. of what's going on. So really high level. It's the way we communicate with them and give them kind of our pathway to success. Mm -hmm. And then those performance reports along the way to make sure that we're still on that track. Yeah, and to that point, if you're not working with an agency, and we talk a lot about how we do what we do, if you're working in-house, that might translate to the C-suite or to your bosses. Um, so your bosses may not care how you got from A to H. They want to make sure that it's getting done, but they don't need to know all the little steps in between. So you can keep some of that detail information back. And the measurement, to your point, again, bringing that back is just so critically important because if you set the foundation from the beginning, you have your plan, you know where you're going, that roadmap, and then you're measuring from the beginning and then along the way, you can prove the value of those efforts um, to yourself so you know what you're doing is working or you can refine it, but also to anybody else, whether that's you know your client, whether that's to uh, your boss, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Board, fill in the blank. Yeah, it's also a really good talking point you know, to get more marketing dollars and budget behind certain efforts. Mm -hmm. um, when you track something that's overperforming or underperforming, you know, you can guide those dollars effectively. Absolutely. And budgets are so incredibly important. Um, you know, we're really honored to work with a lot of nonprofits and small businesses. So we totally understand we're a small business as well that 
you know, money does not just grow on trees and we have to be mindful of that. So where is this money coming from? Where is it going? And what kind of return is it creating? Which is why I'm so passionate about saying, yes, you can measure every single element of marketing, whether that's PR, social, print, or otherwise. Yeah, measuring that ROI is so valuable because why would you put money into something if you didn't know if it was performing? It kills me. <laughs> it kills me. We talk with folks all the time and they'll say, well, we're, we have a $200,000 annual marketing budget and it seems to be working. And then we say, okay, well, what are you doing and what parts of it? Well, I don't really know, mm-hmm. right? So then we get into it like, this is very simple. If you create a special URL or have a tracking phone number, this is very inexpensive. Google Analytics is free. If you don't have it on your website, please put it on your website. It is transitioning to G4. We'll talk about that separately. Uh, We have a blog on that too. But um, yeah, those are just really simple, easy things to start tracking your efforts and know where your money is going and what you're getting for it. Yeah, absolutely. And it does take time. It doesn't happen overnight, but you got to start somewhere. And once you get those things set up, it's only going to benefit you in the long run. Absolutely. So I think when we're talking about how do you create a marketing plan and then how do you execute, we talked quite a bit about making sure you have measurement in place, that you have that set up from the beginning, the core elements of a marketing plan, that ghost model and smart objectives. Then when you get into the execution, I think this is where people start to potentially fall off the map, right? It's easy to Google marketing plan template and get something. Um, and maybe some of you are more advanced than that and you've done this for a while. But when you get into the actual execution, it's very easy to go off the roadmap and take a detour. Uh, sometimes that's self-inflicted. Ooh, shiny object. This is a new thing. I want to. I want to try this campaign. Or you know, there's an ice bucket challenge. Or you know, whatever trend is happening that I want to jump on. Sometimes it's board directed or boss directed, etc., where they're saying, no, we need to focus on this. So the execution is really, really important and sticking with the plan. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sticking with the plan is so important. You know, we always say it takes about 90 days to see results. Mm -hmm. So if you're not seeing that result immediately and you go after that shiny object after a week, you're never going to really know what is creating these results and creating this difference. I like to say it's like if you work out for one day and then you expect to go on the scale tomorrow and then you've lost 10 pounds. It doesn't ever happen. Right. But yet people (laughs) think that that's what's going to happen with marketing. Like, oh, we flipped the switch and now it's just going to work magically. Yeah. No. It's not working. Time to take a new route. No, we got to give it at least 90 days to see Mm -hmm. results and to really measure true effectiveness of a campaign or of a certain platform. So keeping those and keeping consistency is really important. Um, That's really how you truly measure the effectiveness of something. Absolutely. Effectiveness um, measurement is so really, really important and consistency absolutely drives that because you can have a really, really solid plan. It's data backed. You have a strategy. You've got some really great creative. You know what's going to work with your target audience, supports your culture, your messaging, all of those key things. But if you run out of the gate and you hit it really heavy for the first 30 days and then you get distracted, you get bored, you get sick, something happens and then you fall off the map and come back, this is going to, you're going to see that huge dip. You know, the consistency and when you send out your newsletters, how often you're posting on social media, where you're running your ads. Do the ads look the same? You know, that's a great thing um, I would suggest, just grab a great idea is, we do this a lot in the very beginning is, if you've already been doing your advertising and marketing, take a step back, print all of them out or do it digitally and look at them together. Mm-hmm. Do they look consistent? Does this look like it's all part of the same brand, the same family and the same campaign? Most of the time it doesn't because you might have a really great idea and you think you're running with something and you've done it for a few months and then all of a sudden, oh, look, there's a new concept and now this is totally foreign and different and your audience is completely confused because this doesn't look like your brand. 
So that's a really great um, kind of test as well. You can do that in the very beginning, but you can also do that midstream and just take a step back and evaluate and say, are we sticking with the same thing? Does their look remain consistent, but then also are we executing in the same timely order or fashion? Mm-hmm. To your point, that's so important to do at the beginning, but it's also so important to do periodically. Right. Because as you mentioned, we can get off track and go after bright, shiny objects <laughs> and incorporate a trend and things end up looking way different than we started at. So, Yeah, I'd also say don't get distracted by your competitors. You know, there's an analogy about you can never run your race well if you're continuing to look to the left, the right, or behind. Uh, I think that's really important. Being aware of your competitors and what they're doing, we're constantly doing that for mm-hmm. ourselves, but also for our clients, of course. That's something very easy that you can do. You know, you know who your top competitors are, so create a spreadsheet and analyze them. What are their messages? What are their offerings? Where are they running their advertisements or um, things like that? So you can kind of keep track and say, how are we stacking up against them? Um, But don't get distracted by them. You know, just because they launch a new campaign doesn't mean that you should drop everything and follow suit, right? So um, it's not a one size fits all. Um, Awareness is important, but be careful to be consistent um, and make sure that things are working. One caveat, if something's not working, it's completely flatlined, of course, change it. Don't just continue throwing money after bad. We want to make sure that you're using that effectively. But overall, if your plan is strategic and creative, stick with it. Give it at least 90 days, see it through, and then make refinements as you go because you're testing and measuring and you'll know what you need to change and what you can pour more into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from that testing and measuring, we always try to pull out actionable insights for yes. our clients and say, where should we go next and what is this information telling us? Exactly. And so let's talk about that for a minute. The measurement, we've talked a lot about different ways to do that through tracking tools and how you can measure every channel. Um, but the actionable insights is super important, right? Um, when I used to do public speaking, I'd ask people, how many of you have Google Analytics on your site? Show of hands, right? Most of the audience would have their hands up. Then how many of you get reports? Okay, a few hands go down. How many of you look at them? Hands go down. How many of you understand the data that's being provided to you? there'd be like one or two hands up, right? What's the point of that? What's the point of measuring it if you don't understand it or you can't get actionable insights? When we say actionable insights, we mean takeaways that will inform better decisions, better performance. So that's really, really critical is that you understand the data that you're looking at. You can get valuable information from it so you can improve what you're doing. If you don't understand the data that's provided, that's not something to be embarrassed about. There's tons of resources. We have a whole uh, kind of lexicon on our website of terminology you're welcome to use. It's absolutely free um, on our blog, but there's tons of other resources as well. Educate yourself so that this is valuable feedback you're getting in data. Of course, you understand sales went up, sales went down, but other metrics might be a little bit confusing. And I think making sure you understand so you can take advantage of those actionable insights is really, really critical. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't understand it and you're not doing anything with the data, it's really useless to you. Right. And that's a shame. You know, you never want that. Um, And we always try to make sure that when we work with our clients, it's not just big data, right? That term kind of came out, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. It's not just data for the sake of data, but it's Mm -hmm. data that actually informs what we should be doing in the future. And we can match that again to the bottom line. So if we were doing these activities, we drove these people to the website, we saw these conversions, naturally these things go together. Yeah. Well, that's a really awesome discussion, Patricia. Thanks for your insights, I really appreciate it. I think as a marketing manager, you bring a wealth of wisdom to this, so thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure you're gonna be on many, many times. (laughs) Um, So at this point, I think we're gonna talk about our questions from the audience, 
and you get two for the price of one today. It's not just one question. You know, we're just, you know, blowing up on the podcast live. So um, the first question is, how do you determine the best social media platform for a campaign? I've got some thoughts on this, of course, but I'd love to get your take on it, too. Yeah, that really comes down to your audience. You know, there's so much data out there about who's using what channel. You know, as we know, the younger kids are on the TikTok and Snapchat and us older folks are. We can say that now because we're over 30. Us older folks (laughs) are on Facebook and Instagram more often. Mm -hmm. So it's really down to your target audience and who you're really trying to get those conversions from. You mean like lawyers shouldn't be on TikTok and doing stuff like that? That's probably not the right fit for them. Unless you're specifically working with children. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Or you're a really good dancer. I guess that could be entertaining if you just want awareness. I mean, you can go viral, but I don't know. How that's going to help your business. Right. (laughs) Right. So I think that touches on a great point is it's not a one size fits all in terms of what channel you should use your business or should your business should be on rather. Um, It's really important to make sure that it's again, not to be a dead horse, but tied to your goals and your objectives. What are you trying to accomplish? So maybe LinkedIn is the right place for your business because you're trying to connect with other professionals. If you're in a retail space, maybe LinkedIn isn't the place for you. You should be on an Instagram or TikTok or something like that. So, um, and we're talking strictly digital here, but of course there's other mediums as well. There's out of home, which could include, you know, billboards or bus signage, things like that. There's also print advertising, digital advertising, and we don't want to forget PR either. Um, It's really all tied back to your goals. What are you trying to accomplish? Each one has different outcomes that you can expect from it, but also keeping in mind your target audience. So where is your target audience? How are they getting their information? If you're trying to reach millennials, there's a certain path for that. If you're trying to reach the older retirees, there's a certain path for that. Um, There might be some crossover in between, but they're not all the same. Your audience gets information different ways. So that's the first thing I'd recommend is looking at where your audience is. Mm -hmm. And to that point, messages play differently on different channels. Yes. You know, there's things you can consume and take in on a billboard that you can't, you know, on social media and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole visual component of it too, right, is how visual, if you're a restaurant, visuals are everything because people eat with their eyes. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely lean into that versus if you're a professional service firm, it might be a little bit different. So making sure keeping that in mind, how people digest information, um, and that's was not intended pun, but it kind of worked out. <laughs> All right. So our second question is, do influencers actually work? Well, that's kind of a double entendre. I don't know if influencers actually work. It seems like they get paid a lot of money to not do a lot. I do like them. I'm not saying that I don't. But do work, does working with influencers actually pay off for businesses might be a better question. Right. Again, when used appropriately, you know, um, they're certainly for certain audiences, but everybody trusts a person more than you do your brand. Of course, you're going to say your company is great, right. but it's different to hear it from a third party, someone who looks like you, someone that's the same age as you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when used appropriately, they can yeah. certainly be valuable. Or even has the same interests or you mm-hmm. respect them because there's a lot of influencers that I might follow online who we have very, very different lives and all those kind of things, but I respect this individual. Um, A great example of that, right, is 
testimonials or people's reviews and examples. I mean, that was the beginning of influencers. It was influencers that weren't influencers, right? You know, if I'm looking for a rug on Amazon and I think I found the right one, I've spent time researching it, and then I get down and read the reviews, and you know, Sally Joe says it's horrible and it sheds and all these kind of things. Well, I don't know who she is, just like I don't know an influencer in real life, but immediately that gives me pause and I may not buy that particular thing. Now, flip that, these influencers have capitalized on the power of their voice and influence, literally. So I might believe them more, want to buy that product more if I trust that person and they're saying it's great because you're absolutely right. A business can say all day long that they're wonderful, but as consumers, we're all trained to expect that. So we may or may not believe that at this point. Right. User-generated content, to your point, is really the beginning of influencers and leveraging your customers' voices, Mm -hmm. um, especially if they're good customers and are singing your praises, you should be leveraging to the best that you can. Absolutely. Yeah, it's invaluable. Um, And maybe that's a future podcast topic is user-generated content, how to Mm -hmm. get it, and then how to use it. So let us know in the comments if you're interested in that. So thanks again for joining me today, Patricia. I really appreciate it. And uh, we thank you all for listening in on our podcast series. There's more to come. As we talked about, this is a thousand ways to market your business. So stay tuned for more. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Keep pushing.